Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Om Shanti. time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go 
of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? The Supreme Soul would think of you, and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, Peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. this time. Welcome everyone to America Meditating Radio. That was Letting Go on the Inclusion Revolution, Together with Love by yours truly. We're still asking everyone out there to continue your prayer and your good wishes and your moment of pause and peace for the nation, every hour and the hour, there's just a really deep need for everyone to recognize that your pure wishes, your well wishes will make an impact. Energy in the country right now is at an all-time high in terms of just individuals who are feeling quite disappointed, hurt, some are angered. And some might be just merely ignorant. They're just going with the crowd. And that's why we need to maintain our peace of mind and our focus and to remember 
what's important and how to navigate during these transformative times and transformative hours. So it's our plea that you really take this seriously. Every hour in the hour, create rations of peace inside of yourself and allow them to spread throughout the nation, throughout the country. Wherever you are, it's going to spread. It will spread first within your cells of your body. Then it will spread in the room that you're in, in the home that you're at, and in the community that you live in. And then it just ripples out one vibration at a time. So 2021, the day to forge forward and leave 2020 behind. It's the year for us to wake up and get our acts together and find common ground. It's the year for great transformation. Times, you remember those days when we were teenagers and our parents would tell us the right things to do, but we never would do it. But it's only until they took the belt out (laughs) or they punished us, we were like, oh man. And then we would find our way kind of getting into that mode of listening. Sometimes events and situations come in our lives for that purpose. We haven't heard the sounds of love and harmony enough. We haven't utilized the importance of being non-judgmental enough. So now the destiny of the universe gives us these opportunities to really find common ground. Even in the midst of ignorance, we have to find it. It's okay if we have difference of opinion, but it's not okay if we are disrespectful to each other's differences of opinion. Right now, the United States is rolling out its vaccines, and I know a lot of my doctor friends have gotten their shots, and they seem okay. And I had an interview, get a chance to watch it on The Next Normal with filmmaker Bill Bennett. And Bill said out of a population of 28 million in Australia, only 907 individuals lost their lives due to the virus, and that people are moving around and are feeling a lot freer, and they're very responsible. And the reason why it's so low there is that the government made a decision not based on money, but based on the lives of its people. And he connects the low death rate to that decision of consciousness. And I have to commend them because it really is a need. Just imagine what our healthcare providers are going through. Imagine what families are going through. Imagine what the nation is going through. America, please, dedicate a few weeks to being so humble and so selfless that we can get rid of this virus in this country. I think it's unforgivable for the death rate to reach 300,000 plus. It's unforgivable. There's no reason for that. I know that India ranks second, but don't forget, The population is 1.4 billion. We're only 330 million. It's unforgivable that we are not thinking about the well-being of others. We're only thinking about ourselves. I get the importance of us wanting to have the freedom to not wear a mask or to still hang out and be whoever and whatever we want to be. It will happen. It will come back. If you now just heed this storm, this next wave is going to be a big one. So just a gentle, humble plea, please. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Dr. Mark E. Klein, a native of Washingtonian, is a physician and author. 
He's treated more than 100,000 patients. And he's a doctor his colleagues call when they have a patient who needs an ear or shoulder to help calm down and cope with what's ahead. Dr. Klein's career has been centered on caring for others, whether they be patients, colleagues, even strangers. He's always a teacher, sometimes in new medical technologies, to other physicians from around the nation and the world, other times of those even more important issues of life that none of us can avoid. Dr. Klein practices medicine in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and he also loves to write. He has created a new fictional series character by the name of Franklin Rock, which is the title of his new and third book, Franklin Rock, The Man Who Fixed the World, which is being released this month. Today we welcome Dr. Mark E. Klein to America Meditating Radio. Dr. Klein, thank you so much for joining us today. It's such a privilege to have you on air. Thank you, and I was just listening to your introduction, and I was thinking the exact same thing. What a privilege it is for me to be on your show, and things that you're talking about are obviously very dear to you. I'm sure they're dear to your listeners, and they're very dear to me. You know, we talk about coincidences. It is quite amazing to me that I am on your show this morning. In fact, you mentioned my book, Franklin Rock, and there are some things that I call Franklin Rock moments. And a Franklin Mm. Rock moment is when a hint of the mystery of the universe is suddenly and unexpectedly revealed. And I feel like listening to your introduction was a perfect Franklin Rock moment for me. So thank you for inviting me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I'm humbled by that comment. Well, of course, you know, I'm going to commend all of you for all the medical professions and the service that you have done. And now that the vaccine in our area particularly is rolling out, a lot of my doctor friends are telling me they got their shot, they're okay, you know, everything is fine. On a personal note, how is all of this affecting you and how do you maintain your strength and optimism? Well, it's very difficult to drag the optimism out of me. That's just who I am. Um, My guess is it's probably who you are also from what I've read and learned about you. The first thing I look at is that I have a job. I have a house. I have food. I'm still healthy. So I'm pretty darn lucky, and I'm aware of that every single day. So I would say the greatest loss to me personally, which is infinitesimally tiny compared to what so many around the country and the world have experienced. I'm almost embarrassed to say there is any loss for me. One would be not to see my two grandchildren, but the most important one really is that I can't see patients the way I used to. I'm a radiologist, and people would say, well, if you're a radiologist, how did you see so many patients? Well, I'm in an unusual radiology practice, and some days I see 30 patients. And to me, that's the lifeblood of medicine. I call that the golden handcuffs of medicine. When you take that away, you literally take away the main focus and reason that I enjoy being a doctor, to be able to talk to patients, listen to patients, and help in any way I can. Because everybody's wearing a mask and we're socially distanced and the interactions are so rapid compared to what they were before. I would look at a patient and see that she was unhappy even after I'd given her some good medical news and I would say, something's bothering you. And she would say, oh, no, no, it's nothing about this. I go, well, it's something. Something's bothering you. No, you probably don't have time. I go, well, I do have time. (laughs) And then, of course, boom, out comes the story. You know, sometimes I can help. Most of the times I can only listen and sympathize and empathize. But that's what's missing now with every doctor-patient relationship. You know, you can't hold hands. You can't give somebody a hug. And, of course, the masks, 
you know, the eyes tell part of the story, but a smile tells the rest or a frown. And that's all missing at this moment. So that's what's hard, I think, for every doctor and for everybody who's in a patient, that this is a very difficult time in that way. It is a difficult time. Well, thank you for being that kind of a doctor, like you'd be my buddy, because I just want to sit and have a heart-to-heart conversation in the midst, but I know that there's always a time restriction. There's a lot happening in the country, isn't it? Wow. We've had quite an eventful end of Christmas and a beginning of the new year. There's a lot of turmoil and conflict in the U.S. and even abroad. What are your thoughts about what we've all been witnessing? What is all this here to teach us? Again, I was listening to the introduction to your show today. It just reminded me, I'm going to guess I see this exactly the same way as you. The right and wrong part, people focus so much on the right or wrong. And I listened to some of these people that stormed the Capitol. And probably like you, when I watched those windows break in the Capitol, I also live in Washington and work in Washington, I felt like somebody was breaking into my house. I mean, it was very personal. I'm sure that was true for so many people. And I'm listening to some of these people explain why they're doing this. I realize it's not a matter of right of whether you think you're right or whether you think the election was stolen. I mean, we all know that's nonsense. But let's just say for a second that there was even some truth to it. It still doesn't change the fact that we need to get out of our own selves, that there is something far more important than being right and there's something more important than winning. We stress these things in this country, but it's so misguided. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, to you and your listening audience, but it is so wrong. I have a character in my new book, in Franklin Rock, and the character's name is Maurice Burnside. Honestly, when you write, you create these people, and they become real. They just come to life, and I just love Maurice Burnside. And one of the things he says is that when you begin to worry more about other people than yourself, when you place their troubles ahead of your own, the burdens of your own life instantly lighten. I like to tell people that giving up and being last can also be the best choice. You don't have to get the last piece of cake. In fact, giving away the last piece of cake is far more rewarding than eating it. I want to tell these people, I don't want to argue with them about whether or not the facts are the facts. Okay, there wasn't, you know, maybe five people voted incorrectly, but it's not going to change anything. You know, I'm convinced that there was nothing illicit about this election. However, that's a losing argument with these people. You are not going to convince them of that. And these are not all horrible, terrible, rotten people. I know people who are highly educated who still believe that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Okay, I'm not going to convince these people. I mean, I know it's foolish. I know it's incorrect. But I am not going to convince them. What I can try to convince them of is that it doesn't matter. It's not important. Okay, let's say you lost. And let's say it wasn't fair. There's a lesson to be learned here. Being right and winning is not the most important thing. Being kind, being generous, giving, letting somebody else have what you might have instead. This is what life is about. It's about helping each other, taking care of each other. If anything that this pandemic has shown us is that we are here for each other, that we need each other, and that to fight about silly things is completely missing the entire point of life. Indeed. You know... You sat with your patient. You could look into their eyes that something is wrong. And you dialogue and work it out. What do you suspect is the block in all these really wonderful people who have fallen under the spell or the influence of the rhetoric, the marketing scheme, the publicity scheme, 
that they're not good enough. They're going to be extricated from their country. Everything is being taken away from them. Nobody remembers them. I mean, you just look at the behavior on Capitol Hill. You know, what would create that energy in people? They're not seeing that that's not the way to get what you really need. And how does that show an example that the country is safe if you are in leadership of wanting your rights? I don't know if my question is making sense. No, I get it. Well, you mentioned something in the beginning of the show about being an observer. I think that's a very helpful thing. You have to step out of yourself sometimes, relatively often, and just take a look around and say, okay, what is going on? What story is being played out here? What's my position in this? But what really holds us back is that we misinterpret the purpose of life. Now, my last book was literally about the purpose of life. And, of course, I'm not going to get on this show and tell you that I know for sure what the purpose of life is and I know all the answers because that would just be unbridled hubris and I know better than that. But I have my own ideas. So, for instance, if you think the purpose of life is to be the most powerful or the richest or the most famous, then you're going to do things like step on people, knock people out of the way, hurt people, steal, lie, cheat. Because if that's the purpose of life, it makes perfect sense to do that. If that's what you're supposed to do, if you're supposed to strive to be the richest, most powerful, or most famous, then it makes all the sense in the world to behave very poorly like that. But supposing there's another purpose of life. Supposing the purpose of life is to learn how to love and to prepare you for another job in the future, one that might come after this life. Now, I don't know what happens after this life, but I have my suspicions. Now, if that's the case, the goal is really to learn how to love and how to care for people, how to be empathetic and how to lead by love, then your behaviors are going to be a lot different. Then, of course, those things we just mentioned, stealing, lying, cheating, those are anathema. Those are going to put you at the bottom of the class. You'll never graduate if you do that. You'll never get to your goal. So if we misinform people and let them believe that the goal of life is to be rich, famous, and powerful, then what would we expect from their behavior? Exactly what we're getting. But if we teach them something else, if we show them here's the evidence in our world that says that's not what it's about, then we have a chance of pulling people away from these behaviors and away from the selfishness to understand that there's something much more important. And the beauty of that is when you act in that way, you feel so great. I always say I feel guilty when I help people. And why do I say that? Because I feel so great when I help people. I feel like I'm cheating. I feel like I'm stealing. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I'm not making this up. This is exactly who I am. And hopefully one day, since we're both in Washington, we'll meet. But this is how I feel. You know, I once said to my wife, I said, you know, I really want to try and help people. I'm going to, she said, oh, don't ask God for that. I said, why? Because he's going to give it to you. And don't you know that every single day, and I mean every single day, whether it's a weekend, whether I'm on vacation, it doesn't matter. I get at least one call from somebody who needs help with something. It could be another doctor who needs help. It could be a patient. It could be a friend of a friend. It could be anybody. But pretty much every day I get a call like that. And I'm always grateful for it. I'm thinking, wow, that means that people have trust in me, that they value my opinion. I mean, that's so flattering. So what else could you ask for? I always say if a doctor doesn't want to take your call at night or on the weekend, they're in the wrong profession. This is a gift to have people trust you and ask for your help. Those are the things we should be focusing on, teaching people that 
the story of life is far different. I have lots of examples in my other books, and especially in Franklin Rock, that point out why the purpose of life is really more along the line of learning how to love and care for each other than having anything to do with power and wealth and fame. Right. Well said. And the two books you've written, The Currency of Life, Uncovering the Clues to Why We're Here, and What Do I Do Now? I love that. I've been asking this question to everybody (laughs) since the riot. Handbook for Life. Your next and new book, Franklin Rock, is a fiction story. Now, what made you write that fiction story? Where were you inside, and how did you feel when your pen finished on that last page and you put down your pen and you're like, done, the end? <laughs> I didn't even have a word. I was exuberant. And it's a great question. You know, first of all, I practice medicine, so why do I write any books? But why did I go from writing nonfiction books to this fiction book? And I'll tell you why. I have felt compelled for, just like the protagonist in the book, Franklin Rock, I have felt compelled for a very long time to try and do whatever I could to make this world a better place. My guess is you feel the exact same way, and I'm certainly not unique, and there's plenty of people who feel that way. There are zillions of people who have done way more than I have. But I've always had this sense that I have to do more. So how do you do that? You know, through my books, I've tried to share some of these ideas that I think are important and can help move the needle in the right direction. But I realize that people love stories. Everybody loves stories. And it occurred to me that if I could tell a story that was interesting and well-written and encouraging, then I would have an opportunity to relay some of these same concepts in a way that was different, in a way that was enjoyable, that you know, rather than somebody just write down on a piece of paper, here's what I think and do the following. Well, that doesn't generally work that well, I found out. But if you can tell a story that appeals to people, then you can get your message, can help people. And I'm not trying to brainwash people. I just think these are very valuable, important things, and they can help people. Again, the whole point is to, is to make the world a better place. So I decided that telling a story might be a good vehicle to do that. And it was just one of the most fun things I've ever done. I mean, I loved it. Anybody who's written a book knows it's hard, but it's so rewarding at the end. I felt like, you know, no matter what, you know, I've given it a shot. You know, I've tried. That's beautiful. Really important. So where do you think is our Franklin Rock moment? I know you've shared a lot so far about the current situation you find yourself in, but is there anything specific that you would say, well, you know, out of all of this, here's my Franklin Rock moment? So a Franklin Rock moment, again, is when a hint of the mystery of the universe is suddenly and unexpectedly revealed, meaning something happens that we would call an incredible coincidence, and it happens to everybody. Everybody has these moments. You kind of go, wow, what was that, right? So I'll give you another one. I was on the phone with the woman who's in charge of promoting the book, a lovely woman out of Connecticut. We're talking about bookstores, and, you know, how does a writer get a book in a bookstore? If you're not Michelle Obama or Barack Obama or, you know, Oprah Winfrey, it's not so easy, right? So we were talking about that, and even though I've written three books, I'm not a famous author, which is okay. And so we're talking about these bookstores, and we talked about a specific bookstore. She said, well, do you know anybody who is familiar with you, who knows the people that own this bookstore? And just at that exact second, this was a Zoom call I was on with her, my cell phone rings. When your cell phone rings, the name of the person who's calling, if you have them in your contact list, will show up on your screen. Well, this person, who's another doctor, showed up on my screen. Well, you might not think it's so unusual, but here's why it's a Franklin Rock moment. A, he's the person who knows the people at this bookstore. And B, he's never called me on my cell phone before. We talk in the office. 
his office near my office. We'll talk about. He sends me patients, and we'll talk about patients. And I've known him for a long time, but we're not social friends. And I don't think he's ever called me on my cell phone. And at this particular moment, talking about this particular bookstore, out of nowhere, he calls me. And so I pick up the phone. I told my friend on the other end of the Zoom call just to hold on a second because I had to answer this call. It was so amazing. And I said, why did you call me? He goes, I don't know. I just felt like I should call you now. Now, that's a Franklin Rock moment. I can't explain it. Some people say, ah, it's just a coincidence. These things happen. But, you know, for those of us, when they happen, things like that, you go, and that's too much to just be a coincidence. So those are Franklin Rock moments. When a hint of the mystery of the universe is suddenly and unexpectedly revealed, meaning there's another layer. And most of us, I think, appreciate that there is another layer to life. There is something else going on. There is a deeper story. Indeed. What are some of the few most important life lessons in the book? I think if I had to pick out one lesson, I would pick out what I mentioned before when Maurice Burnside tells young Franklin Rock, the protagonist, when you begin to worry more about other people than yourself, when you place their troubles ahead of your own, the burdens of your own life instantly lighten. That's critically important, I think. That's how you find happiness. You want to find happiness? Start worrying about other people. Start helping other people. I guarantee you'll get happy really fast. Your depression, your sadness, your sorrow, your difficulties will slide into the background. It is a magic trick. But there are a couple of other very important ones. For instance, I spend a lot of time talking about time. And most of us think about time like that timeline we learned in high school or middle school, where on the left side of the timeline is Rome and Mesopotamia and all those old places and antiquity. And then we have the current time. Imagine having a spotlight right on that. And then to the right is something called the future, and that's just blank. There's nothing there. It's never happened. And I would say most people think of time just like that, but it is completely incorrect. And it's not because I say it's incorrect. It's because science, physics specifically, Albert Einstein has shown us that this is completely incorrect. A much better way to think about time that I like is to think about a jukebox. Imagine facing a jukebox with infinite number of records in it. And the record on the left is the oldest record, and the record on the right actually might be a future record. So you play that first record on the left. You know, the record comes out, it plays, and then what does it do? Does it disintegrate? Does it go away? Does it vanish? Does the record disappear? No, it goes right back into the slot it came from. It stays there forever. And that's how time is. Every moment is literally alive as if it were happening at this instant. So when I try to explain this to people, their eyebrows go up, they look at me like I'm a nut job, and it's not easy to understand. <laughs> but the way I like to tell you is that no moment ever goes away. So when you were a child and you are talking about your parents earlier in the show, those moments aren't gone. They're not just memories. They exist forever. Now, let me tell you the consequence of that. You know, in my book, Franklin Rock, the main character, time travels. He goes back to previous times. He actually goes forward because, as it turns out, the future is not a blank sheet of paper at all. The future has already occurred. And that's a chilling thought, but it's actually accurate. And there's so many implications about that. But this is, again, not my fantasy. This is the way the world works. This is physics. So when you think about the fact that all these moments never go away, here's what it tells us. It's an extremely comforting and important message, and that is that we never lose anybody. You mentioned earlier we lost 300,000 people in COVID in this country, and that's Mm -hmm. a devastating, terribly sad statistic, no doubt about it. But the comforting part is, I would say, not really, in the sense that 
We never lose anybody. Those moments we had with all those 300,000 people and we've all had with our parents who might be gone or other loved ones who might be gone, those moments with them live on in perpetuity. They live on forever, just as alive as this moment. And this is an impossible concept for most people to wrap their heads around. And there are going to be people listening to this thinking, well, this guy sounded sane up until now. Now I realize he's a nut job. But I'm not a nut job. If Albert Einstein was here, he'd be telling you, oh, yeah, what, that, what Mark is telling you is accurate. Every moment lives forever in its own particular place and time, just like the jukebox. When you get confused, think of the jukebox. It's always there. Those records don't disintegrate after they're played. If each record is a moment in our lives, when that record ends, it doesn't disappear or disintegrate. It goes right back into the slot. It's there forever. And it's a very comforting thought, at least to me, that in that sense, we never lose anybody. I lost my dog this spring, actually while I was writing the book. And those of you who are pet owners know that our pets are alive. These are real living things. And sometimes people are embarrassed to equate an animal, a pet, with a human being. But love is love, and there's no getting away from that. You know, when my dog left me, I was very sad. I mean, he and I were very close, like most people are with their pets. But I had to remind myself that he's not really gone in the sense that those moments that we spent together over the last 12 years, all of them still exist in their own little space and time, all their little place and time in their own little slot in the jukebox. I'm very comforted by that. And I think about my parents and other people that are no longer in my life, and I find it extremely comforting. And I think this really helps. And again, it's not made-up stuff to make you feel better. It's just the way the world works. So that's another important theme in the book. And I'll tell you one other important theme. We all worried about the choices we make. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I take that job? Should I marry him or her? Whatever it is, right? We're always making these decisions, even like what should I have for lunch? You know, should I have the salad or should I have the hamburger? I mean, we're always confronted with lots of choices every day. Well, here's another secret about the way the world works. There's no way to know what the best choice is. There's no such thing as the best choice. And the reason there's no such thing as the best choice is because when you make a choice, and I don't mean about whether you should eat a hamburger or not, but when you make any significant choice, it's going to be affected by the other 7 billion people on this planet making their choices. Their choices are going to intersect with your choices. So you only have so much control, in fact, much less than you think. So when you make a choice, you have no idea how it's going to work out. You have no idea if it's the right choice or the wrong choice because there's no such thing. You have no idea what the interaction of your choice with those other 7 billion people's choices is going to end up as. It's impossible to know. So why is that important? It says, don't worry. Let go. Make a choice. You have no idea if it's the right one or not. Don't worry about it. There's no way to know if it's the right choice. You can't possibly know, so don't feel guilty about making the right choice or the wrong choice. There's no such thing as feeling guilty about that because it is impossible, impossible to know. That's very liberating. That removes the yoke of these life, this pressure we feel to make the right choices. Let it go. You'll never know what the right choice is. Just pick one and go on. Beautiful. Sometimes we don't even know what that is, but, you know, whenever we do get a chance to make that quote-unquote right choice, we do have to just keep moving on. I think you're sharing about feeling that no one is really gone. For me, it takes me to recognizing that we're all souls. And the soul is eternal energy, so it actually doesn't ever die, and they're always with us. It's just, you know, that physical interaction, sometimes we miss that. Like, as a physician, now you have to do a lot of these virtual things, and it just feels a little odd. But then we acclimate ourselves to it, and life moves on. And I don't know, so many realizations, Doc. I have to just tell you lots. I want to talk about your other book, The Currency of Life, because you posed a question. 
Is it possible to create the world we all hope for, a world without violence, a world in which we can raise our children in peace and harmony? How would you answer that question? And are you optimistic? I know you are, so I'm not going to worry about it. But (laughs) in terms of the book, you know, The Currency of Life, this question that you raised in it, share with us your thoughts. Well, when you read Franklin Rock, Franklin Rock takes pretty much most of those themes from The Currency of Life and puts them in a new vehicle. So the reason I mention that, this is a very current question for me. It's not something about a book I wrote years ago. It's about something I just finished writing very recently and is very alive in my mind. But one of the things, Franklin Rock goes and talks to some famous people like Martin Luther King and Albert Einstein. They're in this book. talks about exactly that question. Can we make it a better world? And the answer is, there's no reason we can't. Now, you would say, well, really, you know, men and women have been on this earth for hundreds of thousands of years, and we haven't done so well so far. Right, but there's always a first time. And I know that sounds naive and maybe insane to some of your listeners, but I don't believe that. I believe that there's no reason we can't. So when I look at an issue, at a problem, I go, is there really anything that makes this impossible? And the answer to this is no. We have to educate people better. And I don't mean educate them in terms of learning you know, facts and figures. I'm talking educate them about what the purpose of life is. And I think we can move there. And I'm going to give you a really good optimistic example. When Barack Obama became president of the United States, he said in the beginning of his term, marriage is between a man and a woman. By the end of his term, gay marriage was the law of the land and accepted by most people in this country. That happened in like five minutes. How fast did we reverse? Did the president of the United States, one whom I think even if you didn't agree with his policies, everybody respects as a person, how did he go from marriage between a man and a woman to gay marriage is the law of the land so quickly? That just goes to show you, in this day and age, how quickly things can turn around, how opinions and viewpoints can change. So I am extremely optimistic. I will always be optimistic. There's no reason that I see we can't move forward. It's going to take a lot of work. And as Franklin Rock's best friend in the book, Henry, says to him, it's going to take a posse. It's going to take a big posse. Well, there's a lot of people out there like you and the people who listen to your program who are on the same page and want this to happen. So can it happen? Sure. But we got to put the effort in. But I do think it's possible. Well, I love the fact that the book, Franklin Rock, it's about hope. It's about redemption. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we actually live to see sometimes the things that we fight for or we stand for. But we leave it behind as a legacy. And some of us are living our lives not really realizing that the choices that I'm making that it does leave behind a legacy of hope and inspiration. If, for example, you were overhearing your eulogy, what is it that you would love to hear people say about you based on the way that you've lived? You're asking me what I want my eulogy to sound like? Mm -hmm. That's an easy one. And if I don't get this eulogy, it's because I didn't deserve it. I didn't try hard enough. But I hope people will say he cared about people, he tried to make the world better, He was a good friend, did all he could in his life to move the ball forward in the sense of making this world a more compassionate, loving, and kinder place. Perfect. That's beautiful, and that's exactly what I would have said about you, too. (laughs) Oh, but you won't have to give me a eulogy anytime soon. (laughs) I won't. Oh, gosh. You got another 50 to go. So, listen, thank you so much for joining us. And is there a website that our friends can get in touch with you if they'd like some more information? Sure. The website is my name. It's Mark E. Klein, M.D., and I'll spell it M-A-R-K, 
middle initial E, K-L-E-I-N, so Mark E. Klein, MD, like doctor, markeklinemd.com. My books and sign up for my newsletter, and I'm one of those people, I've reached a point in my life where I don't really have an agenda except to try and do the right thing and help as many people as I can, because I know that's why we're here. I know it, and I won't always get it right, I'm sure. I haven't always gotten it right, but that's why I wrote this book, and that's the goal. And I know there are a lot of people out there like you and the people listening to your program who feel exactly the same way. So that's where the optimism come from. Yes, Franklin Rock is a very optimistic book. I used to joke, nobody's ever going to get shot in one of my books. So <laughs> I like that. Thank that. you so Don't much for me. that. It's been a pleasure and a delight. Thanks so much. Please stay safe. You too. It's very kind of you to have me on your show, and I wish you the best. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Dr. Mark E. Klein, MD. Go and visit him on his website at Mark ekleinmd.com and look out for Franklin Rock The Man Who Fixed the World it's coming out later this month well I hope you've taken some benefit from our conversation today I know I have and it's good to know that we are constantly in line for the possibility of positive changes to occur in our lives and if we can just keep looking for the light we're going to be fine everyone remember now no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and we really are here to love each other the same. Please remember to pause every hour and hour and give your vibrations of peace to the nation's capital. Here is Looking for Light from Bliss. Take care, everyone. Always shining, even in darkest of days. Putting your attention on the light, the light will grow until the darkness is completely erased. Look for the light that always shines behind every cloud, within every soul. Power of attention can transform your life, making you whole by favoring the light that Oh, I wish.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.